Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honourably among the Gentiles, so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honourable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors, as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honour everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself. Sorry. He entrusted entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Trudy. Uh, keep your Bibles open uh, where you're at. Uh, I've got some slides. I think I'm going to use them a little bit less because I want to help us to look at the text a little bit more. And if I have slides up there, you'll look at the slides instead of looking down at the Bible. And so if you've got the scripture before you, I think you'll find in this passage, it, it, there's a lot in it that really challenges us. We read some of it and we go, oh, I don't really like reading that. And so when we come to the Bible, often we can, we can have really simple approaches, two simple approaches, I think, that are wrong. One is you read it and you go, oh, that's what we do. <laughs> and so let's celebrate slavery, accept authority, keep slavery going. That's a simple approach and I think it's wrong. Another simple approach is, oh, that's really hard. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like what it has to say. Uh, That's outdated and irrelevant. Two simple approaches that are wrong approaches to God's word. As Christians, we're actually called to uh, look at the text in the context. What did it say to the original people? uh, Understand what was going on and then put it through the pipeline of, well, who are we now? What does it say into the context that we're in Now, if we were to look at this text and just dismiss what it says about slavery, we would be misunderstanding uh, what God wants to say to us through this text. You see, 
if you looked at slavery back then, it was not the kind of slavery that we've seen in this world in the last 200 years. What's brought to mind for us most as uh, we think about slavery is the last 200 years of slavery, which uh, that kind of slavery is appalling. The, the slavery that still happens in countries as people are forced to labor and have no freedom, can't own property, have no future, is very different to the kind of slavery that was talked about in the biblical world here in 1 Peter. Uh, when you looked at the economy and how it was built uh, for the people in what is now modern-day Turkey, uh, a third of the economy or a third of the workers were what we hear about slaves. Uh, these slaves were doctors, lawyers, <laughs> uh, cooks, talented people, people that had gifts that were serving the community. They had freedom. Uh, it wasn't one cultural group. It wasn't like some of the, the slavery that you, you saw with African-American people group being enslaved. Uh, it was people put into a situation where they were able to work, uh, they were looked after, they as slaves received the same honour that their master had. So if you were a slave to someone that was well uh, reputed in society, you received that honour as well. So when you operated for them, you received that honour and so people wanted to be slaves for the, the right sort of people. Uh, the trajectory for each person was not that you would continue in slavery all of your life, but actually, eventually, you would be able to live on your own two feet. As a slave, you could build up and own property until freedom came, and then you continued owning that property. That's very different from the kind of slavery that we've seen as modern-day slavery. Uh, it's probably closer to what you might call an employee-employer uh, relationship, uh, think of a, uh, someone as an apprentice. Maybe think of someone that comes into this country who has nothing. They can't even put a roof over their head. Uh, currently, you can receive welfare, and that welfare enables you to get the, the bare minimum. They didn't have a welfare system like this. Uh, if you came and you had nothing you needed to support your family, you went and you submitted yourself as a servant or a slave to someone. They educated you, trained you, fed you, housed you, uh, looked after your welfare with the purpose of eventually if you wanted it, you could pursue freedom and go out on your own. It wasn't a system designed to constrain or restrict uh, some uh, so that only others could benefit, but it actually had a traje trajectory towards freedom. Now this passage is speaking to Christians who have heard about the freedom that they suddenly have in Jesus. And the people that were hearing and receiving this message most readily were one-third of the employable people in this region. So these people are hearing about freedom and they're suddenly going, oh, I don't have to be a slave. Uh, and as a result, the, the people were saying, well, these Christians, they're evildoers. They're causing trouble. They're upsetting the whole economic system. And... Peter's saying to them, actually, remain in your position. Even though your, your freedom that you're being given is, is, not, is a totality, you are free, use your freedom to serve others and to think about 
the bigger picture. If they wanted to be Roman citizens, if they wanted to actually be able to live in this land, they needed to pursue this pathway of going through the right channels uh, as a slave, working and earning this point of emancipation or freedom where they could be a, a fellow citizen with all the rights and have a platform into this world. And so the challenge for them is as aliens, exiles, as those who have freedom, to abstain from the desire of the flesh that wages war against the soul. What's the desire of the flesh? Uh, I wake up this morning and the desire of my flesh was to not hop out of bed because it was freezing. And that was pursuing what what I thought was best for me. And so I, I delayed getting out of bed by about 45 minutes as I read the news and switched news sites to read some more news and (laughs) eventually peeled myself out of bed with still plenty of time to be up and about, but that was serving the desires of my flesh for comfort. And so what Peter's saying in this first verse, verse 11, uh, abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Why, why Why is he saying abstain from them? Well, suddenly they have freedom. They have a freedom to make choice, but also the desires of our flesh are desires for what we think will feel good. Uh, I heard someone say the other day, anyone that's sinning and not enjoying it is doing it wrong. (laughs) And there's truth to that. There's There's a temporary delight that's associated with sin that can feed our flesh. If in your anger... Do not sin. Anger can turn into a burst of rage which fuels some kind of release that pleases the flesh. Uh, Lust can head in the direction of pleasing the flesh. Uh, There's plenty of ways in which we can please our flesh today. Just seeking comfort instead of doing work is a way of pleasing our flesh. So abstain from desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. When he says soul here, the the word that I want you to see is spirit. So soul and spirit, the same thing. So your spirit inside you uh, is a different center of direction to your flesh. As Christians, we're called to be driven by our spirit, connected to the Holy Spirit and to walk by the spirit. So we're to be led by the spirit instead of the desires of our flesh which wage war against us. And so the instruction, verse 12, is then, conduct yourselves honorably amongst the Gentiles so that they may malign you as evildoers, those who are trying to cause upright the system. They may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. So what he's saying here is, as ones that are stuck in a position of serving authority, do better than they expect of you. So that even though they think you might do evil, what they discover when they see your works is that actually your your deeds are honorable. When it says, and they might glorify God when he comes to judge, it's not that they're going to see your deeds now and give praise to God. It's at that point where everything is unveiled, where Jesus returns and all is made plain what you've done, either in the light or in darkness. They will see what you've done as the whole world will see what you've done and they will say, glory to God, they are an honorable person. 
continuing on uh, through this passage, for, for the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. Accept the authority of every institution. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of fools. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. What does that speak to us? It tells us of the responsibility of us as Christians to honor those in authority. Even those in authority who don't seem to have what is, in our minds, best for us. It's an act of service to God to honour those in authority. We we recognise that God puts in authority people for our good. And the people in authority that do evil, they're not doing the will of God. But they're placed in authority with a choice. Do they do good with what they're given or do they not do good? I was reading through uh, Numbers uh, this week and looking at the, the life of Josiah who was seen as a good king. He was actually made king at eight, kids. He was king over thousands and thousands of people age eight. And he grew up, and as he grew up, and it was in his late teens, 20s, that he discovered the word of God, and he brought the people of God back into alignment with the word of God. And he hit this point in his reign where he was so confident in what he was doing and righteously pursuing God's will that an army came up against him. And the army leader opposing him says, uh, don't come against me, for it's not God's will that you should die by me. And he doesn't listen. God spoke through this other guy. He doesn't listen. He dies. So, so he was disobedient in using his authority. Instantly, we see a, a, a death that happens. Uh, he's removed from that place of authority. But then his sons grow up. His sons haven't obviously been trained well to sit under God's word. And they do evil in the sight of God. They rebuild altars, uh, high places to other gods. And we see each one of them is removed from authority. And as you read it, it's just these, and so-and-so uh, did what was evil in the sight of God and he died. And there's these little short reigns of people doing what was evil in the sight of God. And we glance over it as a few verses But actually, these were often months and years of people doing what was evil in the sight of God. And we can look at that and go, well, how can that be an authority that was put in place by God? That person did what was evil in the sight of God. But God gave them an opportunity to do what was right with their authority, like Josiah, and yet they didn't. And yet the call for us as Christians is still still to accept authority to honor authorities. We live in a society that is shaped much better to, in our democratic society to deal with leaders that do evil and to get rid of them quicker. There's parts of the world that live under dictatorships, live under communist regimes and have leaders that do evil and have no ability to step outside of that system. And so for us in the context we're in, we have ways and channels to deal with leaders that do evil but we're still called to act honorably towards leaders, to not use our our freedom to cause anarchy. We're actually to use our freedom 
to serve. What does that mean for us to, to honour everyone? I, I think one of the, the ways that we honour and dishonour primarily is with words. Uh, so often to someone's face, you'll say something really nice and then behind their back you'll say, oh, this person is such a insert. I can't believe they do this. They're, they're so... And you'll, you'll talk, they're so unreliable. You'll talk badly about them behind their back, but honour them to their face. What, what's happening when we do that? We're, we're not caring to honour them. We're caring about our reputation in the sight of others. To honour someone behind their back is to truly honour them because we're caring not so much about our own reputation, but about the reputation of others. And so the Christians here are called to live as servants of God who serve others, use their freedom, and care about the reputation of others more than their own reputation. And, and so it goes on and it says, Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. So is that master, is it the will of God that that person suffer under that master? Not at all. It's the will of God that that person honor God under an unjust master and in so doing display Jesus to the world. It says, verse 19, if you're still following along, for it is a, for it is a credit to you if being aware of God you endure pain and suffering while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you're beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. And so remember when it's talking about slavery here, it's not talking about modern slavery, which we condemn as appalling. It's talking about the kind of slavery that was acceptable and was helping the society of the time to function. And so the question for us is, are you willing to remain in difficult circumstances, be faithful to God and trust in God's picture? Trust that in time, even though you might be in a difficult situation, God will work through it. Now, when I ask this question, am I saying to the, the, the woman that's been abused, you should remain in a difficult circumstance, be faithful to God and trust God's big picture? No. We live in a society that, that has good and godly laws that are put in place, ways out of situations such as that, where illegal things are being done. It's not saying that at all, but it's saying that actually life's difficult. We, in relationship with people, sometimes find life difficult. Are you willing to remain in a difficult circumstance, be faithful to God and trust God's big picture? Trust that in it you'll be shaped a little bit more like Jesus. For to this, verse 21, it says, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. When he was abused, verse 23, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And so it gives this picture of Jesus' suffering as saying, well, actually, that living in this world, living in this world isn't going to be easy. You're going to encounter situations in life which are difficult. If you are enduring pain because of something you've done wrong, well, that's not really a credit to you. But if you're enduring a different circumstance because you have God's big picture for what he's wanting to do through you, 
that's a credit to you because you're displaying Jesus through these circumstances. But how do we navigate this as Christians? Does this mean that we should sit in all unjust circumstances and just persist? Not at all. So, So Jesus, having in mind God's glorious plan for the redemption of humanity, went to the cross for us. Suffered unjustly because he had in mind God's big picture. So what does that mean for us? In our circumstances, we need to not uh, just have our circumstances before us, but God's big picture before us. Does God want us to remain here because he's got good for us to do? Is there a big picture of what's been achieved by our persistence through difficult circumstances? Or maybe there's not. The fleshly desire is always escape from difficult circumstances. Get out of them, get rid of them, uh, move to somewhere comfortable. Uh, we see often through uh, particularly younger people, and it's not an, an attack on younger people, but they switch jobs far more quickly. Uh, the guy that came and dug the trench for the NBN down the driveway asked him, why haven't you got anyone to help you? And he said, well, because I get someone to help me, and they last about two months because they realize it's hard work, and they go looking for an easier job with better pay. Are you willing to sit in difficult circumstances that are, that are just and righteous for the, the big picture of doing work. Seeking comfort looks like just avoiding difficulty, avoiding suffering. But if you want to achieve good things for God, we need to sometimes push through things that are difficult for us. Having difficult conversations, going through personal growth, seeing God's picture. How do we, how do we navigate that? It's by His Spirit. So no longer being obedient to the flesh that desires comfort, being obedient to the Spirit and letting God invite us into His big picture of what He's doing. And so that means we sit under Scripture, we're teachable. We look at a passage like this that says endure difficult circumstances and go, okay, maybe that might be God's calling for me in this situation. Then we invite the counsel of others in and say, godly Christian people, what do you think of this circumstance that I'm in? Is it God's will for me to remain here, to endure, and to seek a better purpose? And if they say no, hear them. Be teachable. But if they say, I think, I think God does want you to remain here because I can see the good that he's doing through you, then hear that and respond to that. And then be counseled by God's own, own spirit because in the suffering, God wants to bring us healing and encouragement. God wants to shape us more like Jesus. At the end of this passage, verse 25, uh, Peter says, uh, For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. And so the, although they were living as slaves, they were going astray like sheep without a shepherd. Now they have a shepherd and they have freedom. They're, they're called to return to him, to trust him, that he guards them, that he has their future, that he will lead them. And that's the picture and the calling for us. So for us to to think about this situation of slaves, well, it's not modern day slavery. Ancient slavery, maybe the the closest thing is you're, you're in a position where you're not in the place of authority and employment. Maybe even in an aged care home, you're sitting under authority. There's lots of times when we're 
sitting under authority that we need to learn to deal with situations that aren't ideal for our comfort. And a lot of the time, the path is a path of honour. How can I honour the leader? So speak well of them, be objective, not slanderous. How can I be truthful and seek the good of those that I work for, uh, submit to? How can we look to, I, I don't know if you like Daniel Andrews or if you don't like Daniel Andrews, at one level, I, I don't care. What, what I care is that we honour those who are in authority over us. So whether, they're, whether you're present in the room with him or whether you're not present with him, what you say about him matters to God. As Christians, what we say about leaders matters to God. And the reality for us as Christians is if we want to have a platform in the world that we're in, we need to act and be seen to act with integrity in the world that we live in. If we want a platform to speak of God's hope and love of a different way of living, we need to act with integrity. That is, whether you're seen or not seen, act in a way that honors God in the world that we live in. So uh, coming out of this passage, I've, I've got a, just three short identity statements for us. Uh, the first is, as a child of God, this world is not my final destination. What does that recognize? You're not striving now to have everything. You're trusting that God has stored up for you in, in eternity the reward of faithfulness now. That is, as you honor now, but not necessarily receiving a reward for it, you trust that you're in your final destination, God has a reward stored up for you. My calling is to bring light into a dark world. The very nature of us, uh, I've used the word light here because being an alien and stranger, I think has negative connotations. But Paul in, in Ephesians uses this world that we're light to darkness. So we're different. The, the very act of being different in this world challenges the world around us. My calling is to bring light into a dark world. I choose to submit my freedom to serving and seeking the good of others. So if you're happy with these statements, let me encourage you to join with me in declaring them out. As a child of God, this world is not my final destination. My calling is to bring light into a dark world, and I choose to submit my freedom to serving and seeking the good of others.